Broadcasting from occupied Tongue Land in Long Beach, California. This is Wait, Why Am I Talking Podcast? And this is my comrade, Jordan. Jordan, how you doing? Pretty good. Excited to be here. I'm excited for our interview today. Yeah, me as well. Me as well. What's been going on with you recently? Not too much. I've just been um, picking up mailers off the street, to be honest. With you. <laughs> I've been picking, I've been like walking down the street and people get so mad they throw mailers out. And I lately I've just been picking them up because they're like fun to read. I think there's something wrong with me. Hey, a power mapping mural based on uh, the <laughs> mailers, right? Ah, uh, wonderful. And this is my comrade Vic. Vic, how you doing? Uh, what been going on? I'm great. Busy as fuck. Uh, going to Labor Notes conference next weekend. Uh, speaking in front of a bunch of people uh, on a panel, facilitating different things. What's your panel going to be about? Uh, preview. Black workers and unions and how that intersects and how DEI is BS. What does DEI? that mean? Diversity, equity, and inclusion is not the end all be all when it comes to getting black workers. Um, when it just comes to talking about black workers, I was talking to the woman from Labor Notes and she didn't really open up until I made that statement to be like, oh yeah, DEI is bullshit. Mm. And she was like, oh, okay, I could talk to you now. And then we were able to talk about like, yeah, you know, how that intersects. That's going to be dope. Yeah. I hope that. so. I hope so. So people will be able to read that July? Yes. Yes. July, I'll have clips. I'm sure tons of people record it. I'll put it up. We'll put it out there. It'll be dope. Right on, right on. All right. And, uh, as for me, this is Miles, and recently I've been looking into urban farming, getting involved in an urban farm in North nice. Long Beach. Mm. That's pretty dope. What's looking the farm? At, oh, yeah. It's the growing experience. It was managed by the county for a number of years, but after the pandemic, I guess the county has lost capacity, and so now they're trying to pawn it off on the nonprofits, mm. which, uh, yeah, I think, I think uh, we need to go in the other direction. But hey, that's just my opinion. We'll see if we can make that happen. Is this why our garage is full of pallets that are being torn apart? Uh, no. That, <laughs> yes. That, yes. That is, no, but... This guy's I mean, addicted to green, if you know what I mean. We're trying to, we're trying to make uh, some raised bed system frames. And uh, yeah, we get pallets. Well, you know, we, we uh, expropriate pallets from the industrial sector. So... What could okay. be better than that? All right. We got some guests up in the house, don't we? That's right. Hey. That's right. Hey, y'all. Interview hey, hey, hey. with Fourth. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. We have Shreya. Yes. Hi. Good to and see you. What's up? Hello. And we have Kevin. Hi. Happy to be here. Give yourselves a short intro. What's been going on? What's Who been, are you? What do you do with Fourth? Um, you know, I'm just out here grinding for my landlord, like mm -hmm. everyone else. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Busy between work and... Managing various projects before. I'm a little tired today. It's Friday, so uh, um, what have I been up to? I think Miles, we were just talking before we hit record about the uh, documentary on sex robots that I was watching <laughs> yesterday. So you're welcome. Uh, you're yeah. welcome. Uh, oh, you recommended that? Oh, I rather held him hostage. Made <laughs> him watch it. <laughs> Such a fun friend. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, so that was uh, done in 2017. So uh, it's called The Sex Robots Are Coming. Okay. So I think mm. they've come. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it took a while. Uh, That's hard to follow up, everybody. You might as well turn on the episode now. You know what I mean? But, so I know, I know Jordan mentioned his parents listen to this. <laughs> Let's see if that makes it in. Oh, it will. I didn't say it. It's fine. Hi, Mom. <laughs> 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 little sorry I, that's right I, I, we didn't tell you but i'm actually going to email it to your moms <laughs> on facebook so <laughs> but that's not what fourth does though right that is no not, no, no. so so i'm uh, the co-founder and uh, one of the editors at fourth and uh we just um finished uh publishing a questionnaire with a lot of the uh the, the candidates in our recent local election so it's been taking, mm -hmm. taking up a lot of our time yeah i i really liked that uh questionnaire especially like the fact that people who didn't respond just get like black and whited with like a big stamp. So like did not like they. Some people were really upset by that. Yeah. Oh, got, oh, uh, one particular really? candidate. Uh, <laughs> was it? Was. Oh, uh, come on. Uh, Why did I even guess that? There's like 10 people on there. Yeah. Yo, chill, bro. Come on, man. Chill out, bro. So uh, tell us. Fourth spelled F-O-R-T-H-E. Yes, fourth. yes. When, what I'm is confused fourth? as for the, but it's fourth. But it's fourth. I've but been fourth. saying for the for 
the Honestly, I I was saying it that way for a while. Too, it's a right? pun, right? It's a a, du- a double on a double aunt Andre. Yeah, double aunt Andre. I think it's triple. Oh, triple. triple. Yeah, oh. I got way too cute with this thing. So, like, what what is the triple entendre? I guess. Uh, well, the the, the yeah, the first is a reference to uh, the fourth state, which is what right. old timey way to refer to the journalism. Um, okay, that's one of the references, and it's also an allusion to just um, for the people, right? That's why it's spelled spelled that way. Mm. Um, and then and then also just move, you know moving forth uh, in you know how we. Think about media, um, how we structure media, and who you know who, it's, who it serves, and who owns it. So, who owns Fort? It's collectively owned by everybody who, who runs it. And you know, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a. It can be a fluid group because it is volunteer based, and we can get into that. But it's a core usually with like five or six people. That's fresh. That's fucking fresh. Collectively owned. Totally. That's great. Yeah, um, we're ad free. We're reader supported. Um, we are, you know, we don't we don't have any sugar daddy, sugar mama. <laughs> Although you can be if you sign up at Patreon. There you go. Get oh, that exclusive yes. content. Um, that's <laughs> patreon.com slash uh, slash fourth uh, lbc. So f o r t h e lbc. Nice. Had to do it. In, Had to do it. Of course, <laughs> the producer. Right yeah, here. yeah. In case people just in case people. Sh- we're gonna put that in the the link because I definitely. I de- I'm definitely subscribed on there and it's really great. You can get um, Long Beach Cheese May episodes early and it's just good to support it. You know, every time I There's also charge. exclusive content for Long Beach Cheese May that we're planning on uploading to the Patreon. So Ooh, gotcha. the, the Cheese May on the Cheese May. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> great. You're going to let them off the chain a little more. <laughs> Still fact checked, but yes. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, so how did you get like involved? Because... Kevin was there kind of in the beginning. How did you get involved later? Um, I was a huge fangirl, actually. I was following Kevin's reporting for quite some time. Um, And I was like, like, I I need to be plugged in. And like, I I was shopping around to like a a few people. I don't want to call it that shopping around. But like, I I spoke with some people about, you know, like volunteering my time. uh, And fourth was one of them. And yeah, I, I I think just like where they were, where we were as an organization at that time, just kind of like it was a good fit. So kind of took it from there. I was just like, hey, y'all want my free labor? Because I got it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really all we have. I mean, this we started this um, what, was it six years ago now. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So it just started as a, as a uh, honestly, a conversation at a Christmas party and then kind of like snowballed from there between Andrew and I. Um, Andrew's one of the other co-founders, Andrew Carroll. Um, and, you know, we just kind of gathered other people who shared the vision and really all we had was our labor to leverage, you know, like that's, that's it. And I think at the time, some of us were kind of like unemployed or just, you know, uh, kind of trying to figure out what we want to do with life. I, I think I had just graduated from, from, uh, from Cal State Long Beach, um, from the journalism school and I was working at a car wash. Yeah. Um, because I just couldn't find a job. You know, I wanted to do local journalism here in Long Beach where I live and that was just, those opportunities just weren't around. So, so yeah, it really was an experiment. We never expected it to sort of stick around for this long. Um, but yeah, 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 God, make me, making me think about it. It's like, shit, it's like six years. <laughs> That's dope, man. That's great. Are Good track. You're getting a little emotional. No. Nah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> we are actually we are looking for volunteers still. So if any anyone listening at home wants to come work before it, please come work before it. It's been on my list for so long. I have so many things I'm doing right now. <laughs> oh, whenever you're ready. Yeah, whenever yeah, you're ready. Same. I've talked to these guys about it over here. One of the things we publish is investigative reporting. Um, mainly focused on on housing affordability, police accountability, environmental justice. Um we also, um, you know, we also serve as a platform for community perspectives and artists who are you know, traditionally um, underrepresented in the media. We are a non- not-for-profit organization. We're fiscally sponsored. And this, this is this is breaking news for y'all because we I don't think we've announced this publicly, but um, we yeah. recently became fiscally sponsored. Um, it's by- real, real splashy. Oh, now, right? What happened to that claim with no sugar, daddy? <laughs> no, no, no. Fit, so no, no, no. Listen, we pay the fiscal sponsor. <laughs> that oh, it goes the other way. Oh, okay. yeah. Yes. So, so for for those who don't know what that means, that's um basically we get to um 
uh, borrow, I guess for lack of a better word, the uh, nonprofit status mm -hmm. of, of this organization called Independent, Independent Art and Media. And so we pay them a small fee um, in order to sort of like uh, use that status to accept uh, tax exempt donations. So, so yeah. Uh, so for, for the long for the, for, for the longest time, we've been using Patreon as sort of our way to um, collect uh, monthly donations from readers. Um, and and we're going to continue that. That's not going to stop. But now there will be a way for people who want to make larger donations, okay. one time donations through our fiscal sponsor, and it's also going to help us get grants, which is is, gonna, is a kind of a big deal. That's um, pretty dope. That's exciting. Yeah. Hey. Y'all turned down money from us. We tried sending y'all money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what? Yes, yes. We, we uh, the, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. So I know the DSA tried to send us a donation, but it's part of our policy. We don't take, um, we don't take donations from socialists. I heard. <laughs> no, <laughs> we've actually we've had to turn down donations from, from political candidates too, because that's, okay. nope. but yeah, you can go to, our, if you go to our about page, you can see, um, our, our guidelines for, for who we accept donations from. And we have some pretty strict guidelines, but y'all individually are always welcome to donate as individuals. But yeah, yes, 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 definitely. I mean, that makes sense. DSA Long Beach is a C4 political like, <laughs> organization. It's not. Yes. Yeah. I heard they're communists in that too. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> So apart from the reporting, we also have um, our Art Not Ads program. So that's um, where monthly we'll spotlight a local artist. We'll do like a little video feature on them. And then we'll place their artwork um, across our website where you usually see ad advertisement. Traditionally, and, and on other media platforms, you'll see their artwork on there. Um, so, you know, just... Can you talk a little bit more about why Art Not Ads is a thing? Yeah, I mean, the, the part of the ethos of of you know the, the sort of the undergirds organization was like a, a hate for advertisement in media you know like it creates oh, oh. i hate it too I, I don't think anybody likes it really except no doubt <laughs> i'm sure even the media organizations themselves is kind of like a necessary evil but pr companies like it <laughs> right um yeah but so you know it, apart from like the aesthetic uh, littering of these websites it also you know can create a conflict of interest for journalists um, big time mm -hmm. yeah and even locally you know there we've heard stories of of businesses who've sort of pulled their advertisement because they don't like a story that a newspaper ran and you know that's very detrimental um that sort of creates a conflict there that favors you know business interests and sort of like nudges media to to you know publish things that are business friendly so that's that's a big reason and you know the other side of that coin is that we think artists in Long Beach just do not get enough attention there's a very, too few platforms for them to you know showcase their work and you know we really wanted to um when you know when we began this we, we also saw it as kind of like an art journal you know because i think you know art can be important politically and i think it's it's you know it's hard to have like a functioning society without artists and if they don't have platforms and they end up moving out of Long Beach, that's to the detriment of all of us. So that's also a, a part of it. And so that's, so we have the Art Not Ads program going. Um, and I think as we, we spoke about earlier, we, we also just recently launched a podcast on Beach Chisma. And it's hosted by, uh, James Swazo and Daniel Spear. Ooh. And we, yeah, we're super yeah. excited about that. James who? <laughs> James Swazo. <laughs> uh, friend of the pod. James nice. is the homie. That's exciting. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I didn't quite understand all that art angle because usually, at least around here, it's like a lot of promotion of artists is like a gentrifying um, gallery or something. <laughs> to be able to like, have a platform that doesn't like raise my rent. <laughs> right. I find very interesting. Right. Yeah. And we, we focus on, on artists of color. So everyone we featured so far is an artist of color. That's, right that's real dope. And like what okay. you said about like... Uh, functioning society can't function without artists that's almost like theory it's not it is theory but bringing that to praxis and putting it into application and seeing it like that is just ah, it's like you taking it out the book and putting it into practice 
in a very creative way. Like it's pretty dope. Yeah, there, there's a connection I think between investigative reporting and and art that we don't really I don't think we make usually right that they both they both reveal parts of our world that you know uh, sometimes people want to keep hidden. Um, they both raise consciousness of people. So yeah, definitely. And I think uh, from what you've just shared, it seems like you're pretty invested in the decommoditization of media, which I mean, media, media is art in, in ways. And, uh, Hey, I mean, at least art is typically tried to be recuperated by capitalists. I mean, I think an example is, isn't that, uh, the Long Beach museum, they, from what I understand, they have like one of the largest video art archives, but they don't actually put it on display because it's too big. And it's like, okay, Great. That's wonderful. Why? How do you access them if you want? Well, yeah, that's, I, I, that's my question too. Uh, I mean, it's just another example, right? Right. Right. Art ends up being for wealthy, rich people. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it gets, it's, it's a way to store value, right? Yeah. What it's Uh it's become. Cultural value, big time. Yeah. And the cachet of what makes Long Beach, Long Beach. You think of Snoop, you think, uh, uh, Vince Staples and like, yeah, (laughs) especially in hip hop. The location is so tied into the art itself. We've been talking about a lot of different facets that make Fourth distinct from other media publications. Do you think there are any that we maybe didn't cover that we should address and discuss? Yeah. You know, I was actually thinking about this earlier today. And I think the one part of working with Fourth that I've drawn such a stark distinction with my, my day job is like the freedom to like do things. To be in a setting where I can kind of just run with things, like y'all let me do a lot of shit. Like I'm sometimes I'm like I don't know I don't know why I'll say yes, but um, <laughs> those are good ideas. <laughs> so yeah, I mean I think that's that's what I've really appreciated, and also it's it's a place that people can come to, like even just like learn about who they are as leaders. Like when when you are working with other people, like there's a lot of the logistical stuff. It's, yeah, it's, it's been really cool to like figure out, you know, what type of leader I am. Hmm. And I don't like being a woman, like it's not, I don't get that opportunity often in my, in my paper. Uh, mm. And yeah, as, as we've like matured, I think as an organization, we have like instituted more like specialization and division of labor and, you know, mm-hmm. these, these things that just make you more, a little bit more nimble, I think. Yeah. But, you know, even, even that being said, we are still like pretty committed to like running the important aspects of the organization very democratically. But yeah. Everyone definitely gets a vote in like everything, in everything that we do for sure. But yeah, it feels like we're at a pretty good balance between like, you know, what Kevin was saying about like specialized roles for people, but also having like democratic decision making in the organization itself. Our business decisions and our like, edit, and it, our major editorial decisions, you know, like deciding what to publish. Those things are all, all very democratic. Yeah, and also anything related to like money. Like we we had a whole a whole meeting about whether or not we were going to be taking a grant from the Arts Council. I don't know if we're allowed to talk about that, but we can, we can yeah. cut it out if you don't want to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It was. I'll just bleep the words Arts Council. <laughs> that sounds really like sinister. Like, yeah, yeah. Was, like, was it Raytheon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah anything anything to do with with money um we you know we make those decisions democratically i mean you know we're not, we're not exactly rolling in it but there are decisions out there. Yeah. i mean i think that we had organizationally like trying to figure out do we take money from the government or no right um mm-hmm. you know the arts, being, that one, the, the arts council isn't technically the government but yes it is uh, yeah i mean okay yeah if we want to get <laughs> Real technical, um, which is so, I mean, so, so the like money that. comes from the city, but the organization itself is not it's like, the board. Yeah. Is not yes. The city. Uh, yeah. But effectively. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, like, yeah, it's like, like the downtown association. Right. Intertwined. Right. Like a quasi governmental right. thing. Yeah. So, I mean, there were, we definitely had members that were like uncomfortable with the idea of, of taking the grant for, for that reason. Always. I mean, We've seen this in community organizing, at least a huge bit, give and take of any true <laughs> volunteer organization that isn't like a professionalized nonprofit. Like, it just feels like our muscles for any sort of democratic decision making are completely atrophied from what you're describing. Like, this is not something you've really run into in your life, right? Like, I get to 
sit down with a group of people and like decide about what we're going to actually do in a meaningful way. It's something that at least that we've experienced is completely devoid in almost any other place in our society. Right. I mean, we go to work and I think most workplaces are not run democratically and they're very, nope. they're very authoritarian. Never right? in my experience. <laughs> show up when you show up, you know, when the boss says so. Yeah. So there was, you know, there's a lot of grappling with our principles and, you know, and also just the reality of it, right? Like there's so limited resources in Long Beach for groups like us and, you know, projects like, like ours. And so that's, you know, something you also have to weigh. And, um, you know, ultimately we decided to take the grant. We thought we were going to do good work with it. And right. it's not like any of our editorial decisions were going to be changed, you know. And also that money is going to the community, like it's going to these artists, you know, because we, we do pay folks for the work that that they're doing. Like, I've, how have we gone? Well, we goes haven't to the, goes mentioned to the Brandy. Yeah. Brandy Davison, who's been our curator for that program. So, oh, yeah. Shout so. out to you, Brandy and Art Realm Collective. They've been a partner. Yeah. So, and you know, so that money goes to just paying the videographer and to pay Brandy who produces the, the features that we do on ours and, and cur- yeah, curates the artists. That's okay. great. Yeah. Yeah. We pay our produce, uh, our videographers and, um, our art curator. Hmm. You know how wild that is to say you guys pay a videographer with the <laughs> size of a uh, it's, 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 it's still definitely yeah. not like. It's not enough. <laughs> it's not enough. It's not enough, unfortunately. I yeah. hate you. I'll go on Craigslist right now and put up a free ad for a videographer. I'll get a thousand people yeah. to respond. Yeah. So just the fact that y'all are doing that in this type of environment, in this job market in Southern California says to the way yeah yeah and i mean i think i think we talk a lot about like keeping our dollars local and this is i think fourth is Mm. is an amazing avenue to do that because people donate to us and that money goes back out to the people that contribute articles you know and art do programming with us and and stuff like that so you know the more money that people donate the more we're able to pay for our stories and and all of the time that goes into that because, oh my God, it's so labor intensive to write even just one, one article. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can, you can see it on the finished product. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Like I'm learning this is more than just like, you know, putting out articles and doing that, supporting the artists is a huge part of it. Yeah. I'm learning a lot. Yeah. And I think something really, spe- and, you know, to just kind of go off of what you said, Vic, I think something really special is that. You know, we have people that approach us who say, you know, like we're professional editors or professional videographers, you know, we have a full-time job, but like, it's so soul-sucking and I just want to do something that feels, you know, more meaningful and it's local and, you know, so like Mm -hmm. they're willing to like give us their labor either for free or at like a huge, huge discount and... And you know, it's actually that's exactly how I showed up. Before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one, I yeah. yeah, I was yeah. like, I need to do something real that's in so many different industries people go they work for the boss and exactly what we're talking about like they don't get to make decisions in their workplace or in their lives and it's like this is soul sucking i do not like this you know um a word man the a word (laughs) alienation yep (laughs) exactly yeah yeah and i mean i think even just politically and people are alienated you know like they they feel like they're it's hard for them to have an impact, you know, whether it's like on electoral politics or just, mm-hmm. um, you know, what's going on, um, you know, uh, around the region, you know, it's like, so this gives people sort of an avenue to like be able to do something meaningful in that way. And like, you know, especially we just get bombarded with social media with all these things that are going wrong. And it's like, well, we don't have anywhere to plug ourselves in to like do something about it. And now a word from our sponsor. Hungry for something new? Come down to Bored and Hungry on 7th and Hunapero to try the world's finest NFT restaurant, Bored and Hungry. What is an NFT restaurant? Let's hear a little bit from the founder, Andy Nguyen, about how he came up with this great idea. The main board ape, which is our logo, we spent a little over $267,000 on. And on the mutant apes, we spent around $65,000 to $75,000 for each one. Wow, I cannot think of a single better thing that money could have been spent on in Long Beach. Visit Borden Hungry today to be part of hastening our society to its final collapse. So, you know, 
we're starting to talk about like the purpose of this media. So like, what's your analyses for why fourth and other independent media, volunteer media needs to exist in this modern media environment? I think it's a big question. I think I can answer that first because Kevin's going to probably handle the bulk of this. <laughs> 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 this, this question. You may cover it all. Um, so You're like, just just let him rip. He'll he'll talk to you about it if you just leave him alone for five minutes. <laughs> the the role of media. Okay, so I think first and foremost, what I find to be valuable in the role that Fourth plays in the media landscape in Long Beach is the fact that it's so accessible. Like, I couldn't just like walk into the post and be like, "Hey, here's this article. Y'all want to publish this for me?" Like, it that's that's not going to happen. And it's there's we get people reach out to us all the time to be like, Hey, did you like think about writing this story? And I think that level of accessibility and being like embedded in the community that we're serving is really important and unique in a way that I don't, I don't know of any other like media organization doing that in Long Beach. So just the Long Beach community can come to forth, say, Hey, I got this idea for a story. Do you want to publish it? Do you want to work with me to publish it? We do accept submissions and there's submission guidelines. So whoever, you know, someone would reach back out and be like, here's, here's the guidelines. And there's an editorial process as well. So, um, the articles go through like a process. I mean, Kevin, this is, this is your lane. You have <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't have to bore people with the specifics of that. But if anyone who reaches out with a pitch or a submission, we have a one pager that we, you know, send them that kind of walks them through the process. Cause it's not, it's not a super traditional editorial process. I mean, there's elements of it. Like, you know, some of us do come from media. So we've brought what we think are the good things from there but we also because it is democratic it's a little bit better but so you know we we walk people through how that works and part of the reason why we exist is to lend these editorial skills to the community you know so that if somebody has a pitch of like i want to write this thing and i don't even know how to get started like how what's what's even the first step to to publishing something you know it's such a it can be such a i don't know like obscure thing to people like how this article gets onto this platform Mm -hmm. and so i think educating people on how that works is important and and yeah and and, then having a sort of resource where people can go and and you know interact with the the people who are skilled in that and and, you know like in the future we would like to actually train community members on how to be journalists you know because we don't think journalism should just be um you know there's like professionalized thing that only a very few people per capita can do you know because it is a very vital function in a democracy we used to be the kids of working class people who were yes 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 it was a very working class very working no class the case. no it's not it's not unfortunately so that's you know that's i, I think that partly answers your question i think also also the, the type of reporting that comes out of for like there's that type of you know like countervailing narrative that centers community um that you know it holds people to account, people in power to account for the decisions that that they're making. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of that happening um, in in Long Beach in terms of, um, you know, from other media platforms. I think just historically, if you if you just look at any social movement, any kind of revolution or anything like that, it, there is sort of this like before period where, you know, there's like letters being exchanged, there's petitions, there's zines, you know, even memes to a degree, I think, serve this wow. function, right? Mm-hmm. Ooh, big time. Yeah, right. <laughs> This this exchange and building a base of information that you know helps these social movements kind of bubble up and and you know become more visible. But right, and, and there's the, also like the important function of like documenting these social movements. Yes, yep, and yeah. telling like telling the the story and that the narrative because um, it's I mean long form journalism is not like super chic. Um, people you know want like a real quick article <laughs> yeah. that they can read, but yeah. you know I think being able to tell these stories with the details that really matter um is so important because when we look back on this it's like what what are we gonna we're gonna have like the press telegrams account of (laughs) account of the you know the protests in 2020 like that that can't that can't be it that can't be it well we also got the police reports right and the police press conferences right 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 let's not forget that (laughs) Maybe an article about a woman getting her finger blown off, or <laughs> so it's just like gold. bearing witness, basically, right? And that's part of it, too, yeah. You know? Yeah, and and telling telling the stories. I think, like, I don't know, Kevin. I feel like you should talk about this. Like the, it's a huge responsibility too. On top of that, like when you when you decide that you're gonna you're gonna be like the vessel through which this information is delivered to a wide audience and in a way that's like memorialized like it's online people like can access it whenever it's 
a lot. That's I would feel. Yeah, yeah. We were the only media organization in Long Beach that documented the the police violence against protesters in 2020. And, you know, I think that was, it's very important to have on record. And, you know, it goes against the sort of police narrative that they, um, you know, that there, it was uh, the looting, uh, the people who were like, quote unquote, looting are the people who they were focused on when really they were putting on, you know, they, they had the curfew and they used the sort of curfew as a excuse to, you know, shoot people with, with what, what they call non-lethal projectiles, right? Flashbangs and all sorts of beanbags. Yeah, beanbag guns. Yeah. So, yeah. We. I mean, I. I remember. I was there. You know, I was there during during the protests, and uh-huh. so yeah. I talked to people there. But I also, you know, after the fact, scoured social media for people who you know shared their injuries and their experience with police during the protests, and we wrote mm-hmm. a story about that. Yeah, I think there was a woman who got her finger blown off, and I think ended up oh, yeah. suing the police department. I'm not mm-hmm. sure where that's at now, but. I think that was among the more gruesome, um, among yes. the more gruesome uh, injuries. But I think, and, and just to like sort of continue on your question about like how does media sort of interact or you know intersect with um, social movements? I think there's a great local example that's still ongoing right now, which was um, two years ago we started to heavily report on police surveillance technology mm-hmm. here, you know, with the Long Beach Police Department. And just like the very ironically very shadowy way which this technology was being procured and used by the police department and we were able to report this um with a lot of help from check lbp so they're like a local uh, police watchdog website who unearthed a lot of documents through uh, public records requests so we sort of took those documents and um reported them out and we you know one of the things we exposed was how the lbpd was um, sharing data that they gathered from their automatic license plate readers with ICE, which, you know, despite the Valleys Act, the boat, we had, we have both the local and the state Valleys Act. So they were doing that despite and that. And the Valleys Act is. Yeah. You want to explain it? Um, it, I mean, I don't know. Was it? We're a sanctuary city, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We care about our immigrants essentially. Right. So we reported that, and then just more recently, we we reported about how the LBPD was. Uh, I think they conducted over, I say, it was, I think it was over a thousand facial recognition searches related to the 2020 George Floyd protest, without really indicating whether it was connected to suspected criminal activity. So, so yeah, we've been doing heavily reporting on that, and I and and I think activists, especially um, Long Beach Immigrant Rights Coalition, put together a campaign. Um, around police surveillance technology and I think we're right now is that two city commissions have very strongly recommended putting a moratorium on that technology. So there's, that's kind of like, you know, you can see how that reporting led to, you know, a campaign, campaign by activists, which is now leading to some action in the government. I mean, they're still just recommendations, but I think the ACLU also came in. That's right. The ACLU also threatened Long Beach with the lawsuit if they didn't stop that, sharing that um, license plate data with ICE. So. Yeah, the ACLU doesn't. I, I mean, what we? It was one of the first times, like recently, that they've really been paying, paying attention to Long Beach. You know, I think just because there was such a dearth of reporting here, especially around the issues that the ACLU deals with, that you know they don't really have anything to go on. So, so I need that information out there so that people who have the capacity to act, you know, can take that torch and you know run with it. Right, capacity to yeah. act. The information that you report on really spreads too. I feel like, like even. If people aren't reading you as a primary source, I get I'll get calls from family members who live like across the country, and they'll be like, "Oh, I read this article about what? Really? across the country." For example, with the uh, surveillance thing, yeah. like my yeah. mom in Northern California, my uncle out okay. in uh, uh-huh. Palm Springs, and like other places, they'll I don't think they directly read you always, but like I'm sure you've seen it like other news organizations kind of like rehash right. what oh, you're sure. saying and that's it kind of spreads out it's kind of wild we national baby <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i know the la times um did an article based on the one we published uh with with you know with the ice data sharing and that's how i think that's how the aclu ended up hearing about it mm. but yeah yeah so that was um yeah that's surprising to hear because you know like our audience is you know our numbers wise like at least publicly, you know, it's like dwarfed by, you know, the numbers that the Long Beach Post has or even the press telegram, their distribution. 
roughly but, like yeah. what what is like the total audience <laughs> I mean, it's hard to quantify i guess there's thousands of them <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't, I don't, I don't know <laughs> yeah. no yeah I don't, don't ask for anything we have a, we have a pretty big yeah. email list and that's like uh one of the big ways that we get the stories out and it's a we oh. really really love the email list because that circumvents social media and like in the future and long-term future we'd love to get off of social media because mm. it's just these are corporate controlled platforms which kind of <laughs> don't exactly agree with the principles that the organization's built around. It's just kind of unfortunate we don't have to kind of use these now because, you know, it's just the reality of it. But yeah, the email list circumvents that. So if people don't want to be on social media, they should sign up for our email list. And so they'll get a blast every time we publish anything on the website. And you can do that by going to the bottom of our website and signing up. Here's a little form. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I got to sign up because I'm not on social media. Yeah. Oh, bless your heart. Yeah. I know. I'm sure so, you're better for it. I, I don't know. Maybe it's a product of my privilege. <laughs> it's like hanging out with a happy little cherub sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, we need the small pleasures in life, you know? No doubt. We've talked a little bit about sort of your readership and uh, you're talking about being like small fry in a big pond, maybe. What's the media landscape in Long Beach? You know, maybe you all have a, a little bit closer and more deep insight into what's going on i mean i i don't think that there's that many media organizations in this city to begin with and journalism is, is like a field has been under i don't know i don't want to say like attack that sounds kind of like dramatic but there's a big downsizing for sure yeah yeah i mean we could see you could see it with the press telegram right i think they were the biggest newspaper in the city for a very long time and they were bought out um they were bought out by a hedge fund called Alden global capital which has been, was, has been very busy buying up a lot of newspapers. I think they own something like 200 newspapers and their MO is to sort of gut them. So really just leave them with a skeleton crew and then squeeze out as much profit as they can and then throw away the husk. So that's sort of kind of like a parasitic force that's been doing that to like local journalism all over their, you know all, i think all over the country okay take it back attack is a very yeah no definitely <laughs> yeah i was gonna say it's, it has felt like an attack it's definitely felt oh, like an attack by like a, an, a it's like independence day right like where the sh- big motherships come come in and just like destroy the city uh, i don't know it's an old reference but uh, no, <laughs> i think by now <laughs> yeah, 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 like financial uh, hedge funds parasitical get out <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. we might get some angry letters from some of our hedge funds <laughs> <laughs> so you know that's been unfortunate for the press telegram you know like even though you know the press telegram does lean conservative you know it was founded by a republican back in the 1900s uh and yeah it became the dominant newspaper in the city and even though they do lean conservative and they always have it it is still you know it was an important important newspaper um and so it's kind of sad to see them kind of be diminished to what they what they have been the other big dog here is the long beach post right you know they also have a problematic ownership they are subsidiary of pacific six which is an investment firm which has its fingers in a lot of pies here in the city right there they own a lot of politicians (laughs) yes Mm -hmm. uh yes they're the their founder are big donators to like the establishment politicians here in the city the investment firm itself owns two major properties in downtown one is the breakers hotel and i believe the other one's the ocean center building oh my god yeah so you know they have real estate interests and you know they were also the uh john molina right was the one who oh yeah right was molina yes yeah, yeah yeah he was well yeah but he John was board, right uh no no longer um former but him and an llc that that he was a part of made a deal with the city um to lease community hospital and right there's a whole sort of scandal behind that and so right this is somebody who who has a lot of interests that that um sort of intersect with this with the city government and you know right that that's pretty self-evident that that's uh that's kind of a conflict of interest there you know if you were going to like create a democracy in like sandbox mode this is not how you would want like such a vital institution to be set up so Mm -hmm. i think i think i don't think any of us would ever disagree with that um so that's kind of like those are those are sort of the the big the bigger players in the media landscape here locally and i I do i do appreciate voice waves yeah there's yeah. so voice waves is a great like a great local resource and very you know uh they're they've been really focused on like training 
I think high school and college age journalism right. students. Big shout out to Voice Waves. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I think they're they're a great they're they're a great organization in the city. And there's also KLBP, which isn't necessarily journalism, but they're a uh, like they're our public radio station. How long have they been around? Because I feel like I saw stuff recently. Two years now. Yeah, they had their. Well, I know they had their kickoff party like days or like a week before the pandemic, before the lockdown. So oh. yeah, so I think that. That was really good timing. Yeah, not not super great timing, but they're out there and they have, you know, um, great programming. But even, you know, like even with all that said, like this is a city the size of Atlanta and we do not even have a TV station that's like our own, right? Yeah, like, we're, I think we're like the seventh largest city in the state. Yeah. yeah. Something yeah. around 600,000 people, maybe yeah. 550,000 yeah. people. Yeah. And so, yeah, even, even with the, you know, coverage that already exists, it's still, it's still too little. Like, it's not a very rich media ecosystem. What are two stories? one from each of you that you think are critical for people in Long Beach to follow and maybe a little bit of the juice around it. Can we add some too when they're done? Sure. Why? Yeah. 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 I'd love to hear what y'all. Yeah. 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 Honestly, I'd rather hear from y'all than (laughs) (laughs) the audience wants to hear from y'all. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I would love to plug the, um, the sort of like series that we started earlier this year on, on, the uh, the fossil fuel industry in the city and sort of the the yeah the financial stranglehold that they have on on the different institutions in the city. So the first um, the first installment we published on that was looking at schools and um, that was a story I wrote and um, yeah I found that the, the the school district was getting hundreds of thousands of dollars in donations from. Um, primarily Marathon Petroleum, which operates a refinery like j- very near where Cabrillo High School is, right? Oh, so, oh God. and 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 in that story, like it's reported that um, there were students a few years ago who were trying to go um, to a public meeting and and just talk about their experience living around the refinery and you know like how the pollution has affected their health and the health of their families. And one of their teachers, when uh, one of the teachers at Cabrillo, when they came back to school, scolded them and said, you know, like the engine, this engineering program that I run depends on dollars from Marathon. And if like you're out here making noise about it, they're going to pull that funding. Wow. So, and so, you know, like even, you know, the stranglehold. Yeah. The students even said that the teacher made them write a letter, basically like, saying everything they said at that public meeting so that they could give it to sure, marathon so officials. Wild. I could not believe that when you yeah. said that. Yeah. That's it's, so fucked. Wow. Yeah. Right. This is like also like community infiltration 101 too. Like <laughs> funds little league, yes. fund schools. Yep. Yep. Like this is this uh this was in the academic literature around marketing in the nineties. Yes, yes, yes. And that's a that's a big focus of the article is how like beyond just the donations, these you know the the fossil fuel companies will will come to like science fairs that the schools are holding and like have a, a booth where they teach kids you know like quote unquote like fossil fuel geology and like you know just indoctrinating children into um, you know basically the narrative of the oil companies and you know they also sponsor like intern programs where they funnel students into careers in the fossil fuel industry which is a you know, like with climate change coming, it's probably something we should think about, you know, <laughs> drawing down. Um, but, you know, this is how, but we all also know that like oil workers and their unions come out to public meetings to, you know, a lot of times in, a, in opposition to what like climate justice activists are asking for. To come yeah, give public comment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That, there's, there's, that's been, that's happened. Um, that happened around like the, uh, the, the gas companies when the port was um, considering um, what type of fuel to use in their trucks, right? Is that there was, there was reporting, this was not in my article, but there's been reporting about how like gas companies paid for people to go to these meetings and, and speak. Yeah. And, and um, you know, speak in favor of, of gas powered trucks. So 
It's crazy. And so this wow. this is our first installment. We're also yeah. going to do an installment on on how fossil fuel money is um, entrenched in politics, is entrenched in the non nonprofit industrial complex here locally. So that's that's to come. Well, that's yeah. I always <laughs> feel like cool, 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 cool. <laughs> I, I just always feel like you know. I look at all these different targets that we have on the left of like these are obstacles to like people's dignity, respect, and like living a good life. And I, it always comes back to the fossil fuel industry and like this is the ultimate. Like all of our campaigns most likely lead there because right. they're not going to let go of the global economy. They are. They perceive it to be in service to them. But what's our favorite fourth articles, real quick? Yeah, yeah. What got you? What got you uh, to, to pay attention to to, to follow us? Ooh, um, what's the first fourth article that y'all ever read? Yeah. Oh, we're asking the questions now. <laughs> mine, mine was the the KKK one where the police department um, oh, was boy. was threatening um policy link okay i don't want to say threatening but like they they wrote essentially like a letter to policy link saying like take that out it's not true Mm -hmm. oh my god i think that was my first two now that i'm thinking about it yeah yeah there was a yeah there was a report that that was put out by policy link right and um it was like an equity report on the city and they had a section on police like a historical section where they made a reference to uh, oh yeah uh, i remember that to the police and the kkk um, well, for, for that there was KKK members in the police department, and, right? That was like backed up by articles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like yeah, not, right. it's like not even yeah. a debate. It's not even a controversial like, thing, you know. Like these, the, yeah, I don't know. They're like photos of them marching down the street. Of so yeah, they, the the police union pressured. I mean, they they say they didn't pressure, right? The, the they allegedly um, pressured uh, policy link to to take that to take that out of the. Um, out of the report, but we were able, I was able to get a, a, a copy of the draft report that had it in there. So, yeah. Um, and yeah, interestingly enough, that article came out the morning of the, the George Floyd protests. Wow. Our brave boys wow. in blue. Uh, I, I, oh, I don't know. I don't remember the first story I read, but the, oh, you're reporting on Ocean Air. So good. Um, yeah, Ocean Air, there's just like, it's a scam from Sean Ross and Waterford Co. As far as I'm concerned, um, there's a lot of uh, relationships and a lot of money that's been transferred between Sean Ross and Waterford Co. And I think like right when you started to report around that or maybe shortly after, yeah, we we were doing our own sort of research um, as part of some, you know, pro-tenant actions because, again, some city council folks. So, uh yeah. Mary's and Dayhouse had a uh, fundraiser sponsored by Sean Ross and Waterford Co. I don't know. I'm sure the other ones have had plenty uh, sponsored by them too. So, yeah. We actually had a photographer sneak into that event. Nice. Yeah. That's, what, oh, that's how we got the photos. That yeah. Photos. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how the... Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, those photos are amazing. <laughs> like just the awkward, like two very separate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like a very tense situation in the background of what's supposed to be like a happy little cocktail hour. <laughs> they tried to ignore us so hard. Yeah, we'll actually have a... There's going to be a whole uh, Long Beach Cheese Map episode just on that article awesome. in the near Ooh. future. So. All right, all right. Oh, and I one of my favorite articles, not the first article, but that Mike Gibson article triggered me. Like, in ways... Talk about I, it. I couldn't Why? even like... <laughs> I just I detest that dude. I I despise him. I've looked into his background, former cop, oil ownership, oil. Like, you know what I mean? Like his precinct shut down for being shady, but he wasn't, though. You know what I mean? But he wasn't like, you know, he wasn't the bad fucking apple in the bunch. But anyway, to hear him scream and yell like that, I'm just like, yo, brother, who are you talking to like that? Wasn't it kids? Yeah, it was kids. <laughs> and yo, and he doesn't have to do that. You got all the money in the world. You've been doing it for so long. You're fucking politician forever, and you're going to be. So, what the fuck, man? Like, really? You're a black dude, and you say, "Oh, she ain't from this country." Come on, man. Like, yo, I don't even know if I could contain myself if I was there. Because mm. Fatima's a friend, and but just if you could say anything to Mike Gibson right now.
I'm not gonna say here. <laughs> <laughs> I nah. Uh -uh. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Joe. Trying Bra to make more work for me. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Joe Brazilera, who was our our our, um, our contributor, our reporter, who was on the ground there and who wrote that story. Um, he's the one who asked, you know, was asking my Gibson questions, which elicited that response that he characterized wow. Fatima as not being from this country, right? Who was his um, opponent? Screaming it. Yeah. He's screaming it. Recently, we just put out an article um, talking about, so it's called Long Beach Resident Facing Deportation to Cambodia, a country he's never set foot inside. Oh. So uh, this story is about uh, someone named Sidi Bin, who is, um, I think, also the Long Beach Immigrants Rights Coalition is working on getting him a pardon. Um, they've applied for Sidi to get a pardon because he was, he served um, time in prison for a shooting that he was involved in when he was very young and um, he was part of a gang. And he was let out early um, for good behavior. Um, but as he was being let out of prison, he was intercepted by ICE and basically like sent to a detention center. I like can't even imagine what that experience is like, like thinking that you're leaving jail only to at like literally the door be taken <sighs> into a whole new type of incarceration. <sighs> I can't even begin to fathom what that experience That's is like. Even more carceral and fucked up. Yeah. yeah. Ass, Straight up. Yeah. Makes, disheartening. makes the local jail look like a very pleasant stop. So he's, he, he was released from ICE detention because of the pandemic. Um, the ACLU really fought for, um, really fought for him to, I think they sued, I believe they sued the federal government to, to have some um, detainees released. And so he was among them. And, and, um, and he lives in Long Beach now and he's been doing a lot of great community work, like doing a lot of stuff with reentry and like helping people transition. He, yeah, he started the Long Beach Reentry Council, I think it's called. Let me confirm. Yeah, he started his own. He was one of the co-founders of like a, an organization that's helping people, um, with find resources, you know, cause like when, you know, he, he told me that when, when people leave prison, even things like getting a cell phone is like so, can be so foreign for people, you know, and it's like, you kind of start hitting hit up hit a lot of these walls and it's easy to kind of fall back into like behavior that that you were engaging in you know before you went to the prison because like the, everything's just shut off to you so it's like right right like that so so he's been so he's been doing a lot of that and so like this is somebody like who everyone that you talk to says like city is just like this amazing community member that like nobody would gain anything from deporting him um, but he still has a deportation case. And so right now they are trying to like seek that pardon to, if he gets a pardon, he's able to reopen his deportation case and, and hopefully like, um, you know, not be sent to Cambodia, which he actually was not even born in Cambodia. Um, he, he was born in Thailand. His parents were refugees after the Khmer Rouge took over Cambodia. And so they eventually made it here to the U.S. But yeah, he was not born in Cambodia, so he's never been there. So the government wants to deport him to a country where he says that he, he would not know a single person. He doesn't even know the language. And I, I also think like the, the part of city story that, um, is also worth talking about is the, um, the role that the Long Beach Justice Fund played in, um, his yes. deportation. Yes. The Long Beach Justice Fund would not exist if it wasn't for like community advocacy and the, yeah. the work that, that people put into, to make that happen. Lots of work from LBRC to Lots get that work, done. Yeah. 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 And I think he originally lived in LA. And he ended up in Long Beach because one of the, it was one of the reasons he came to Long Beach was because the Long Beach Justice Fund didn't have a carve out for people who had a criminal record. So he was able to use the right. legal representation, you know, through that to sort of fight his deportation case. Wow. Mm -hmm. And right, like there was, there were people who did, there were some council members who did want that criminal carve out. Susie Price among them, right? Who's running for mayor now. And I think that's an important political angle to to sort of highlight is that city being somebody who like community members are like say is so integral to the city is was being you know saved basically by this justice fund and when people were advocating for that criminal carve out it was sort of like characterizing people who have a criminal record as somebody you know people that we don't want in this country you right know, we don't want to be spending tax dollars to help people right who have a criminal record and so I think city is a great example of why that you know arguably is, is a misguided way to have seen that i think a lot of your articles kind of 
break that illusion of Long Beach being a very progressive, welcoming <laughs> place when you, oh my God. for example, you've got like a major mayoral candidate and city council member basically effectively advocating for like blood and soil levels of like deportation policies, which is not something, these, these type of things are not covered in traditional media. So. Nope, not at all. Nope. And if anyone is interested in supporting um, the campaign to keep City Hall, I would definitely suggest heading over to LBIRC's um, socials uh, and seeing how you can how you can support him and hopefully getting a part in. Yeah, and we're going to make sure to share the Action Network uh, drive to write a letter to Gavin Newsom. Perfect. Uh, advocating for his pardon. Yeah, really important stuff. I mean, especially around like the carceral carceral state people get out of the carceral state state and if they have a felony it's like oh well what the hell are you supposed to do right and i mean like it's he's being punished twice like he you yeah. know what i mean like he served his his time and is gonna now get deported it, it's yeah it's just wrong and he has a family you know he has a family he has um his daughters and his grandkids yeah wow yeah so he has a whole network of people in the city who would very much miss him. You know, he has clients, he has client reentry clients. He's a case manager. He's, he's a case manager. Case management. Wow. Yeah. Oh my wow. Which for people that don't know what case management is, um, it's uh, I don't even know how to how to explain it. It's, it obviously varies like um, sector by sector, but I I know that in I'll speak in like harm reduction context is that's what I work in. Um, we have phenomenal caseworkers that, you know, I mean, and to be, to be fair, like our case managers go like really above and beyond, but, um, they, they'll wait all day at, at court with their clients. They will make sure they'll go around and make sure that their clients have their meds and they'll hold it for them. So they don't lose them. Um, it's the work that they do in the, like case managers are just actual angels of people. So yeah consider like he's he that's the kind of work that case managers do yeah i think it's pretty clear we should do what we can to try to keep city here so we've, we've got our ass for this week thank you so much you know give out give some shout outs um let's see plug bowls uh follow us on the socials uh all socials well not all actually i don't think we're we're hip enough for tiktok yet uh-huh. <laughs> Long Beach cheese cheese on TikTok. they're cooler than us so yeah <laughs> you guys on parlor <laughs> we're, on, we're, on, we're on truth social oh, okay. also so follow us on there <laughs> uh we're at fourth lbc that's f-o-r-t-h-e-l-b-c um Please give us feedback on the work we publish via email, via social media. We, 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 we need that and we love that. You know, keep us honest. Um, share our stories, uh, send us pitches for articles or op-eds. Um, uh, submit articles. Yeah, submit. You know, <laughs> while we don't get paid, right? We do pay our contributors $100 and we hope to like increase that incrementally as we get more donations. Um, yeah, so donate to us also, please. <laughs> Monthly at um, patreon.com um, slash fourth LBC. And also go listen to Long Beach Cheese Me wherever y'all Word. get your, your podcasts. Right on. You can follow um, Long Beach Cheese Me on LB Cheese Me on Instagram. I think it's LB. Yeah, LB Cheese Me. Yeah. What's a cheese me, by the way? Benny? What's a cheese me? Oh, like, what does that mean? Yeah. Like, gossip. Okay. Yeah. Any uh, other team members you want to give some credit? Thanks. Um, shout out to, to Greg. Greg Diaz. Greg yeah. Diaz. Uh, right. He's been our managing editor uh, for a while. And um, if you send a submission, he's the person who's going to basically interface with you and sort of like do the initial like rundown of uh, making sure you check all the boxes. Um, and also our other co-founder, um, Aaron Foley, who's been with us since the beginning. Um, and he like does a lot of the like um, music features that we do. Um, we, we review um, a local musician, uh, local music. And so she's been heading that up. Um, so, you know, shout out to her. She's been here from the beginning. I also can't leave without saying shout out to my little brother, who's our right. fact checker. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of, like, I feel like fact checking is probably one of the most labor intensive parts of the podcast and mm. um, he does a great job. So the, if for some reason you're listening to this, thanks, bro. 
And also, lastly, James and Daniel for being no doubt. amazing partners on this on this podcast. They've just yeah they they put in so much work in this Word. just you know along with all of us. But it's been lovely working with them. And yeah, I shout out to James. Oh, yeah, he's my shout organizing out. mentor, basically. Well, thank you for having us. This has been giving us a chance to to talk about ourselves, which we don't really do that often. <laughs> Thanks, y'all. Until the next time. And this is Vic. This is Miles. This is Jordan. And don't forget to ask yourself, wait, why, why am, am I, I talking? talking?